Chapter Twenty Nine of the Star Chamber, an Historical Romance, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Star Chamber, an Historical Romance, Volume Two, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Chapter Twenty Nine the silver coffer within sir giles mompesson's vast and gloomy mansion it has been said there were certain rooms which from their size and splendour formed a striking contrast to the rest of the habitation never used except on extraordinary occasions when their owner gave a grand entertainment with some ulterior object these apartments notwithstanding their magnificence partook in some degree of the chilling and inhospitable character of the house even when brilliantly lighted up they wanted warmth and comfort and though the banquets given within them were sumptuous and profuse and the wine flowed without stint the guests went away dissatisfied and railing against their ostentatious host thus though the stone walls were hung with rich tapestry the dust had gathered thickly upon its folds while portions of the rugged masonry were revealed to view the furniture was massive but cumbrous and ill-assorted and the gilded ceiling and venetian mirrors from want of care had become tarnished and dim such as they were however these apartments were assigned to aveline when she was forcibly brought to the extortioner's habitation as before narrated allowed to range within them at pleasure she was kept strictly within their limits the doors were constantly guarded by one or other of the myrmidons and any communication with the external world was impossible because the windows were partially grated and looked into a courtyard beyond this she was subjected to no restraint and her own attendants dame sherborne and old anthony rock were suffered to remain with her had it not been for her exposure to the annoyance of frequent visits from sir francis mitchell and her anxiety about sir jocelyn aveline would not have found her confinement so intolerable but the enamoured old usurer persecuted her at all hours and she could never be free from the intrusion since the doors could not be shut against him sometimes he came accompanied by his partner though more frequently alone but ever with the same purpose namely that of protesting the violence of his passion and seeking to soften her obduracy as may be well supposed his pleadings however urged were wholly ineffectual and excited no other feelings except those of detestation in her bosom such a state of things could not endure for ever and her only hope was that finding all his efforts to move her fruitless he would in time desist from them not that she was without other fearful apprehensions 
which were shared by her attendants nearly a fortnight had thus passed by when one day during which she had seen nothing of her tormentor and was rejoicing at the circumstance the repast usually served at noon was brought in by a fresh serving-man something in this person's manner and in the meaning glance he fixed upon her attracted her attention otherwise he was a man of singularly unprepossessing appearance she addressed a few words to him but he made no reply and became suddenly as reserved as his predecessor had been this deportment however it presently appeared was only assumed while placing a flask of wine on the table the man said in a low tone i am a friend of sir jocelyn constrain yourself or you will betray me sir francis is watching us from an eyelet hole in the door drink of this he added pouring wine into a goblet is it medicated she asked in a whisper regarding him anxiously it is supposed to be so he answered with a scarcely perceptible smile drink i say if you do not you will mar my project tis well he added as she raised the goblet to her lips a few words must explain my design sir francis will fancy you have swallowed a love potion take care not to undeceive him for on that belief rests your safety when he presents himself as he will do shortly do not repulse him as heretofore smile on him as kindly as you can and though the task of duping him may be difficult and distasteful to you shrink not from it the necessity of the case justifies the deception if he presses his suit no longer refuse him your hand i cannot do it murmured aveline with a shudder you must rejoined luke hatton for it was he or incur worse dangers provoked by your resistance sir francis has lost all patience and is determined to accomplish his purpose knowing my skill as a brewer of filters he has applied to me and i have promised him aid but have no fear though employed by him i am devoted to you and will effect your deliverance ay and avenge you upon your persecutors at the same time if you follow my instructions exactly raise the goblet to your lips again quaff its contents without apprehension they are perfectly harmless force smiles to your features give tenderness to your tones and softness to your glances and all will be won and with a grin which though intended to encourage her somewhat alarmed aveline he took up the flask of wine and departed as her singular adviser had predicted it was not long before the old usurer made his appearance evidently full of eagerness to ascertain whether any change had been wrought in her disposition towards him by the wonder-working draught dissembling her aversion as well as she could and assuming looks very foreign to her feelings she easily succeeded in persuading him that the filter had taken effect and that all obstacles to his happiness were removed 
transported with rapture he fell upon his knees and besought her to crown his felicity by consenting to their union on the following day bewildered by various emotions yet still managing to play her part she returned an answer which he construed into an affirmative and now quite beside himself with delight the amorous old dotard left her the alteration in aveline's manner and deportment towards her persecutor did not escape the notice of her attendants and greatly perplexed them dame sherborne ventured to remonstrate with her hoping that she could not be in earnest and old anthony rock bluntly told her he would rather see her in her grave than the bride of such a hoary reprobate as sir francis aware that her actions were watched aveline thought it best to dissemble even with her attendants and they were both convinced she was either bewitched or had lost her senses and in either case bitterly deplored her fate nor must it be supposed that aveline herself was without much secret misgiving however skilfully and courageously she might act her part the appearance of luke hatton as we have more than once remarked was calculated to inspire distrust in all brought in contact with him and with no other proofs of his sincerity except such as were furnished by the circumstances she might well entertain suspicion of him while professing devotion he might intend to betray her in that event if driven to extremity she resolved to liberate herself by the only means that would then be left her in the evening luke hatton paid her a second visit and on this occasion comported himself with as much caution as at first he applauded her conduct towards sir francis whom he stated to be most effectually duped and counselled her to persevere in the same course adding with his customary sardonic grin that grand preparations were making for the wedding feast but he thought the cook's labours likely to be thrown away next day aveline found all her counsellor had told her was correct several of the rooms hitherto thrown open to her in especial the great banqueting chamber were now closed and it was evident from the sounds that reached her ear footsteps hurrying to and fro loud impatient voices and noises occasioned by the removal of furniture and the placing of chairs and tables together with the clatter of plates and dishes that preparations for a festival were going on actively within them nothing could equal the consternation and distress exhibited by dame sherborne and old anthony rock but faithful to her scheme aveline however she desired it did not relieve their anxiety at noon luke hatton came again he seemed in great glee and informed her that all was going on as well as could be desired he counselled her to make two requests of sir francis first that he should endow her with ten thousand marks to be delivered to her before the nuptials secondly that she should be permitted to shroud her features and person in a veil during the marriage ceremony without inquiring the meaning of these requests 
which indeed she partly conjectured aveline promised ready compliance and her adviser left her but not till he had once more proffered her the supposed filter and caused her to place the cup containing it to her lips ere long he was succeeded by sir francis arrayed like a bridegroom in doublet and hose of white satin thickly laid with silver lace and a short french mantle of sky-blue velvet branched with silver flowers white roses in his shoes and drooping white plumes arranged a la banole in his hat besides this he was trimmed curled oiled and would have got himself ground young again had such a process been practicable but though he could not effect this he did the next thing to it and employed all the restoratives suggested by luke hatton he bathed in milk breakfasted on snail broth and swallowed a strange potion prepared for him by the apothecary which the latter affirmed would make a new man of him and renovate all his youthful ardour it certainly had produced an extraordinary effect and when he presented himself before aveline his gestures were so extravagant and his look so wild and unpleasant that it was with the utmost difficulty she repressed a scream his cheeks were flushed as if with fever and his eyes dilated and burning with unnatural lustre he spoke almost incoherently tossing his arms about and performing the antics of a madman the filter it was clear had been given him and he was now under its influence amid all this strange frenzy so alarming to aveline he dwelt upon nothing but his inextinguishable passion and never for a moment withdrew his fevered gaze from her he told her he would be her slave for life proud to wear her chains and that she should be absolute mistress of his house and all his possessions on this she mustered up resolution to prefer the request she had been counselled to make and sir francis who was in no mood to refuse her anything at once acceded to them he laughed at the notion of the veil said it was a delicate fancy and quite charmed him but as to the ten thousand marks they were utterly unworthy of her acceptance and she should have thrice the amount delivered to her in a silver coffer before the ceremony with these and a great many other professions he released her from his presence which had become well-nigh insupportable after a while a magnificent bridal dress of white satin richly trimmed with lace together with a thick white veil of the largest size calculated to envelop her whole person were brought her by a young damsel who told her she was engaged to serve her as tirewoman adding that she hoped she would be able to satisfy her ladyship as she had already served the countess of exeter in that capacity why do you call me ladyship child said aveline without looking at her i have no right to any such title but you soon will have replied the young tirewoman as the bride of sir francis you must needs be my lady mitchell checking the rejoinder that rose to her lips aveline cast her eyes for the first time on the speaker 
and then to her great surprise perceived it to be her village acquaintance gillian greenford a significant glance from the blue eyes of the pretty damsel impressed her with the necessity of caution and seemed to intimate that gillian herself was likewise in the plot and so it presently appeared she was for when the damsel had an opportunity of talking quite in private to her new mistress she informed her of the real motive of her coming there i am engaged by one who wishes you well to take your place sweet mistress aveline and to be married in your stead to sir francis mitchell she said and have you really consented to such an arrangement rejoined aveline is it possible you can sacrifice yourself thus i am not to be sacrificed returned the damsel quickly if it were so i would never have agreed to the scheme but i am told i shall get a fortune and oh then the ten thousand marks are for you interrupted the other i now see the meaning of that part of the plan but what else do you hope to accomplish the deliverance of my unfortunate lover dick taverner from the fleet she answered but how is your marrying this wicked old usurer to effect your object inquired aveline you may save me by the proposed stratagem but you will destroy your own happiness and all your lover's hopes no no i shall not replied gillian hastily i can't tell how it's to be managed but i am quite sure no harm will happen to me and that dick's restoration to liberty will be the reward of the service if such it may be called that i am about to render you he wrote to me so himself at least tell me by whom you are engaged and i can then judge of the probability of the rest happening in the way you anticipate do not question me further sweet mistress replied the damsel for i am bound to secrecy but thus much i may declare i am the agent of one who for some purposes of his own be they what they may is determined to counteract all sir francis's vile machinations against you as well as those of his partner sir giles mompesson against your lover sir jocelyn mountchensey ah you understand me now i perceive sweet mistress you have been guarded by this unseen but watchful friend during the whole of your confinement in this dreadful habitation and he has kept an equal watch over your lover in the fleet what is sir jocelyn a prisoner in the fleet exclaimed aveline i knew it not he is but the period of his deliverance approaches replied gillian the secret friend i spoke of has bided his time and the hour is at hand when full measure of revenge will be dealt upon those two wicked oppressors he has long worked towards it and i myself am to be an humble instrument towards the great end you astonish me cried aveline greatly surprised at the change in the damsel's manner as well as by what she said do not perplex yourself fair mistress pursued gillian all will be speedily made known to you but now no more time must be lost and we must each assume the character we have to enact 
as i am to be the bride and you the tirewoman you must condescend to aid me in putting on these rich robes and then disguise yourself in my rustic attire we are both pretty nearly of a size so there is little risk of detection in that particular and if you can but conceal your features for a short while on sir francis's entrance the trick will never be discovered all the rest has been arranged and i am a mere puppet in the hands of others to be played as they direct bless us how beautiful this dress is to be sure what satin and what lace the countess of exeter has just such another have you heard that her ladyship has gained her cause against those wicked lakes who conspired against her but what am i saying when i know you cannot have heard of it well then it occupied five days in the star-chamber and sir thomas and his lady are sent to the tower and sarah swarton to the fleet poor creature she is to be whipped and branded and to do penance in st martin's church dreadful but i won't think of it i wonder how this dress will become me how astounded dick taverner would be if he could only see me in it mayhap he will there's no saying and now fair mistress may i crave your aid while gillian was thus running on she had partially disrobed herself and very soon afterwards was decked out in the rich attire the effect of which upon her own person she was so desirous of ascertaining when her toilet was complete she could not help running up to a mirror and on seeing the reflection of her well-formed figure now displayed to unwanted advantage she clapped her hands and cried out with girlish delight allowing her to gratify her feelings of vanity by the contemplation of her pretty person for a few minutes aveline felt it necessary to recall her to her situation and her own transformation into the tire-woman was speedily effected gillian's dress fitted her exactly the light-hearted damsel was quite as much pleased with this change as with the other and vowed that aveline looked far better in the rustic gown than she herself did in the silken attire but time pressed and as sir francis might surprise them they hastened to complete their arrangements gillian's comely features as well as her sumptuous robe had to be obscured by the envious veil and as it was thrown over her she could not help heaving a sigh aveline then put on the muffler which had been worn by the country damsel and their disguises were complete not a minute too soon at this juncture a tap was heard at a door communicating with the adjoining apartment and the voice of the old usurer was heard inquiring whether his bride was ready an answer in the affirmative was given by aveline and with a throbbing heart and faltering steps gillian prepared to obey the summons the door was thrown open and mustering up all her resolution she passed through it both sir francis and his partner were waiting to receive her the latter was richly attired but had not changed the sombre hue of his habiliments even for the anticipated ceremonial 
being clad as usual in black in this respect he offered marked contrast to the gay apparel of the antiquated bridegroom as well as by the calmness of his deportment and the stern gravity of his looks behind them stood luke hatton bearing a heavy silver coffer of antique workmanship what means this veil cried sir giles gazing suspiciously at gillian as she emerged from the inner room followed cautiously by aveline who was wrapped in the muffler why are the bride's features thus hidden a mere whim sir giles a pleasant fancy replied the old usurer but she must have her way i mean to indulge her in everything you are wrong rejoined the extortioner make her feel you will be her master bid her take it off on no account whatever sir giles i have only won her by submission and shall i spoil all at the last moment by opposing her inclinations of a truth not who is the maiden with her demanded sir giles scrutinizing aveline with a keen glance why does she wear a muffler is that a whim likewise perchance it is replied sir francis but i have given no consent to it she is only the tire-woman come mistress unmuffle let us see your face cried sir giles striding towards the terrified maiden who thought discovery was now inevitable but luke hatton interposed to save her prevent this rudeness he whispered plucking sir francis's cloak prevent it instantly if her whim be thwarted i will not answer for the consequences desist sir giles desist i pray you cried the old usurer in alarm it is my bride's wish that her attendant be not interfered with and mine too well be it as you will replied the extortioner testily but i would not permit the impertinence were i in your case the bride must raise her veil when she stands before the priest she shall do as she pleases replied sir francis gallantly if she desires to hide her blushes i will not put any compulsion upon her to disclose them come fair mistress he added taking the trembling hand of the veiled maiden the priest awaits us in the further chamber where the ceremony is to take place and where several of the noble and illustrious guests who have consented to grace our nuptials are already assembled some of the most illustrious personages in the land will be present the marquis of buckingham and perhaps prince charles himself his excellency the spanish ambassador has promised to come let us on then yet ere we proceed further i have to request your acceptance of that silver coffer the thirty thousand marks within it constitute your dowry as he spoke luke hatton advanced and holding the coffer towards the veiled damsel so that she could touch it said place your hand upon this silver box and take possession of it fair mistress i am a witness that sir francis mitchell has freely bestowed it with its contents upon you it will remain in my custody till you require me to deliver it up to you End of chapter 29